politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to avoid the next Fourth Reich. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house. Today's CR podcast here at Blaze Media. It is a brand new week and really our last week here for 2021. Sorry to disappoint you, but Blaze staff, they are taking the full two weeks off broadcast Uh, I will still be running columns next week and uh, really, I mean, really both weeks. Uh, I don't really take off much. I will be, uh, you could follow me on Twitter at Conservative, and I will be letting you know how to find me on Rumble um, to, uh, I will be putting out videos just to keep you guys updated so you won't go a full two weeks without me. But either way, we have a lot to pack in uh, to this week where basically what we have going on is a genocide. There is no way to deny that. It's a genocide on multiple fronts. It's in a subtle way, but nonetheless, it is killing millions of people, both from the bioweapon they created and then the second bioweapon they created to deal with it and the blocking of treatment. I feel like we're at a crossroads right now. On the one hand, it does seem like this new variant, if it continues to predominate will end the pandemic no matter what so it will be a lot harder for them to engage in tyranny so there's that opportunity but on the other hand they're getting more vicious okay if you if you ever noticed that you would think if this was all about look they just want to they're just crazy they just want zero covid they don't mean anything anything bad well they would embrace this they wouldn't be upset that about Omicron, they would embrace it. Why Why are they upset? Why are they talking this down? That should raise signals to everyone. So on the, on the one hand, a lot of people are fighting back. We're seeing all of the, you know, protests in Europe, okay? We're seeing they're on the run with the courts in, in the United States. Now is the time to kick them when they're down because if you wait... Even if the virus gets better, and even if things ease up temporarily, they have established the principle that they could say you are a threat to other people at any given moment. They can control your body, monitor you, monitor your life, shut down your life, and there's nothing you can do. The worst nightmare is if we were to walk away from this and do nothing about it when we have the legislative sessions coming up literally in just three to four weeks, depending on where... Uh, you are three, four, five weeks, depending on the state. So I'm going to be working during that extra time that I have uh, during the Christmas, New Year's break. I am going to be working on our legislative agenda, working to uh, push legislation in as many states as we can get. Uh, you could be a part of that by signing up at conaction.network to join one of our state teams to focus on these legislative sessions. This is really going to be our first year in operation in many states. Um, but this is where we are. We got to fight our first sponsor today. For those of you who might be thinking of moving out of America, well, where do you retire? A lot of Americans are looking to retire in Panama on the Pacific Riviera. Um, you could live on $24,000 a year. You could live like a king on a little over $100,000 a year with a luxury beachfront condo. Um, healthcare is just $2,600 a year there. You pay zero income taxes. It is the number one wealth protection haven in the world if you go right now to buypanamanow.com slash conservative you can pick up free the american's guide to living and retiring in panama i would have never thought i'd be selling this you know in another year but i don't know maybe i'll wind up there again that's buypanamanow.com slash conservative so i just want to say this You know, a lot of people are missing the point when they think, oh, you know, we're winning and we're taking care of everything. The courts are doing things for us. I am getting tons of emails. Probably the most common email I get from people is those in the military. Heartbreaking emails. People that put 20, 30 years into the military or often sometimes, you know, 15, 17 years and they're right under the retirement uh, eligibility and they, you know, their family's in a vulnerable situation, and they are being forced to get the shot. 
I mean, that is not changing. We have not even gotten an injunction on that. Think about it. Something this illogical, this immoral, that literally makes things worse. So the point is, that is a genocide. This thing is killing people. This thing is destroying 100% of the immune systems. If you haven't gotten a chance, listen to Wednesday's show with Dr. Dan Stock. He cites chapter and verse about this. You look at all-cause deaths among seniors in the United States. Okay, It is up 71% compared to last year. Despite 99.1% of seniors having at least one dose. You know, there's a lot of talk about low vaccination rates, but among the elderly, and I don't mean above 85, I mean above 65, it's 99.1 got one dose. Yet, there is a 71% increase in all-cause deaths. Or is it because of it? I said despite, or is it because of it? And it likely looks because of it. Some of it is more have died from COVID because the, vi- the virus got worse because of the leaky vaccine syndrome. But clearly, a lot of them are dying, and we don't notice. Oh, they're old. They, they were, they were going to die anyway. That is a genocide. I want you guys to take a listen to this. Um, you know, just a couple minutes here from this Irish senator. Okay? Irish senator. And... She, she was speaking, it looks like, in Parliament there. And Ireland has had a lot of fascism. They've had their war spread, uh, like many of these other countries, after having almost everyone vaccinated. They have one of the highest vaccination rates in the EU. Senator Sharon Kogan, K-E-O-G-A-N. Let's take a listen to her. Aside from that, I've become very concerned over the recent days as to the bigger picture of the global response to covid Let's run through a few recent developments and see if we can join the dots. Point one, a tale of two countries. Germany's new government wants to make vaccinations compulsory, whereas Austria's brand new government is lifting their lockdown for everyone except the unvaccinated. Germany cuts straight to the chase. Your body belongs to the state and under threat or force you will comply. Austria insidiously preserves the illusion of freedom while locking them in their homes until they freely choose to undergo the rite of passage and be reborn into the new normal. It's simply, it's simple really, take the jab and get your freedoms back, except for point two. The Israeli Minister of Health announced that it will soon approve the fourth vaccine shot. It will mean that all those with three shots who don't get the fourth shot will have their COVID passes revoked, as happened to those with two shots. So that precious COVID cert upon which your freedoms hinge can be invalidated by the wave of a wand and you'll have to obey it again to get it back and again and again and again because, point three, Pfizer's CEO has said that people will likely to need to have an annual COVID vaccination for many years to come. In other news, the CEO of Coca-Cola recommends a can with every meal. Because I'm sure he's just concerned for people's safety. Let's check the stock markets. Oh, what's that? Point four. In the week of Omicron was discovered, the wealth of the eight top Pfizer and Moderna shareholders rose by a combined nine billion. The lesson takeaways. Government globally have collectively made ordinary participation in society contingent upon consumption of the product of a private company under direct or indirect threat of force. Over the past two years, the livelihoods of ordinary people have been steadily siphoned into the pockets of pharma and tech giants. So guys, I think, I think her words need to be heeded. Okay. Governments globally have collectively made ordinary participation in society contingent upon consumption of a product of a private company under direct or indirect threat of force. That sums up the principle that was established, and that is not just in Europe. That principle easily in the blue states, but really many people in the red states are still under that effect in many ways. That principle 
if COVID would end tomorrow, it has not gone away. So certainly we must realize that we need a lot, we need to do a lot more. It's beginning to look a lot like 1939. I was watching some scenes from Schindler's List over the weekend and tweeting them out. You know, people being rounded up in the streets. And, you know, Schindler and his wife were, were looking on their, on a horse and looking on a hill overlooking the city, watching it happen, dragging people out of the home. I would have never believed this a year ago, but I believe this could happen. Again, and what's confusing people is it's not a matter of going around and saying, who is this color skin? Who is Jewish? Who is Catholic? Who's whatever? It's a matter of they have a list of everyone in this country who got the shot and who didn't because they know everyone who got the shot. So by process of elimination, they know who didn't, which is, by the way, why it's so important we abolish the vaccine registries in the red states. It's criminal that they have them or at a very minimum require ban any um, logging into those registries unless someone gives affirmative uh, you know, consent before getting vaccinated. And that would mess up their data. They could go down to a neighborhood, and again, they're not going to target any one particular eth- ethnicity, religion, or race. They will target whether you are abiding by the system, the biomedical system, or not. That has been established. If you don't think they could go to that next step, when you listen to the stories of Howard Springs, the concentration camp in in Australia, and yeah, I get it. Yeah, they have DVDs and and uh, they'll bring them food, but they have high gates around all of them. You can't run out, and they have guards everywhere and cameras everywhere. Um, as the opening round, that's pretty bad, and it only gets worse from there. I'm sick of hearing, oh, well, it's not yet like that. You can't compare it. Well, what do you think? It doesn't, they're not stupid. Everything is like a frog in the boiling water, the slow boil. They get people sucked into this. And that's why, my friends, we need people with a 2020 vision. Um, I've long uh, partnered with Better Spectacles. They're offering authentic German-engineered Rodenstock eyewear in the U.S. They are the top eyewear company in the world. Ronald Reagan himself wore Rodenstock. So should you. My wife and I are happy with our Go-Specs lenses from Rodenstock. They are the best pair we've ever had. We see much better. No neck strain. Um, more energy. Go to betterspectacles.com conservative to schedule a teleoptical appointment. You don't even have to leave your home and wear a mask. Um, they're they're actually not an online company, but they offer you know this uh, telehealth, so it's easier for you. Uh, my audience can get sixty one percent off their GoSpecs lenses by going to BetterSpectacles.com/slash/conservative. Again, that's sixty one percent off plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames at BetterSpectacles.com/slash/conservative. So I want to go through some of what we've learned over the weekend um, with. With Omicron, what we're seeing. And it's it's very interesting, the, the pattern that we're seeing. CDC released a surveillance report on Friday, right before uh, the weekend. They looked at 43 cases in 22 states. Okay? Not a single death. One hospitalization, although they don't really talk about the details of it. 80% were fully vaccinated 80 percent and 33 percent actually had three shots but 80 percent at least two there were only 19 percent unvaccinated and the thing is most of the cases were actually among younger people so the vaccination rate is much lower so clearly we're seeing the pattern everywhere that there clearly is a much higher case rate of omicron among the vaccinated. Very interesting. Um, Where is this? If you look at Danish data, Denmark has, uh, from their public health, 13% of Omicron cases were unvaccinated. Okay, just 13%, whereas 17% of Danes in general are unvaccinated. And again, um, it's a... It's, uh, more tilted towards younger seem to be getting this Omicron. 
So it's it's even the the unfavorable spread towards the vax is even worse than that looks. So we're seeing this <clears throat> pretty much everywhere. And by the way, in general, the joke is Denmark is getting a horrible Delta spread. Like everyone would hope this is happening. New England, there is literally no hospital beds left in Upper New England now. They have their worst spread ever. Do you know? You know, in a lot of these places, whether it's Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, uh, Denmark. You know, place that didn't get so bad before, they have twice as many cases in many of these places than they had it during their winter peak, and yet every senior is vaccinated, almost every adult is, and many of them now have three shots, but it's all unvaccinated. If you look at Galting Hospital, okay, in South Africa, during Delta, okay, during Delta, they had 15,400 confirmed COVID deaths. It's estimated now it will be only about 640, 4% of the Delta level. And and actually, t- take a listen. You know, we'll, we'll play here a clip of Dr. Coetzee. Right, she's the big, you know, head of the South African Medical Association. There, listen to what she had to say about Omicron. But uh, you know, after four weeks, this is now our fourth week. There's no reason why you can't trust us when we say to you it's mild disease. Um, we're not saying that there will be sick patients. That's not what we're saying. We say the majority is mild. There's no need to at the hospitalize any of these mild cases. Um, there's no really no need in these patients. Um, recover within about five days. Whether you are a child, whether you are 80 years of age, whether you've been vaccinated, whether you have not been vaccinated, whether you have suffered from mild diseases, other comorbidities, this is what we see. This is the real life. This is the real experience. So folks, there you have it from the horse's mouth, the person who's been you know, monitoring this in the the outbreak country. After four weeks, they're seeing it's only mild, even in elderly people, doesn't matter comorbidities or not. This is mu- noticeably milder. So this all makes us think a very uneasy thought. We know that genetically this doesn't appear to be natural, natural progression. It looks like it was modified. What exactly is the play here? Honestly, if they did modify, it would probably be the best thing they've done. The question is, what was their intent? <laughs> you know, it could be they intended, because it is very contagious, but it looks like it's following Mueller's ratchet in the sense that commensurate with how transmissible it is, that's how mild it is, like a cold. Cold is very transmissible. That's what it appears. So it could be they, they meant to do kind of what they successfully did with the ADE from Delta, that it was pretty transmissible but very virulent, so perhaps they meant to do that and they just couldn't get the virulence out of it. I don't know. I don't know. But whatever it is, it's bizarre. Do you know that we still have every single day over a thousand people in America dying from Delta? The ADE vaccine enhanced Delta. And yet they're they're yelling about Omicron. They're literally changing policies based on it. And they don't seem to care about the existing variant. Very interesting. I mean, really, if you're into lockdowns, you should be like hiding until Omicron becomes dominant. Some believe within a few days it will become more than 50% of cases in England. We should want that because I'll tell you what's filling up the hospitals in the U.S. in states like uh, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, Michigan, Minnesota, wherever. I mean, these uh, uh, these are Delta cases. And they're much worse. Hospitalizations in Maine are up 900% since July. 99.9% of seniors are at least partially vaccinated. 63% of seniors in Maine have a third shot. Yet it's by far much worse than it has ever been since the beginning of the pandemic there. Okay, why would that happen? It's very interesting. It's very interesting that they're worried. In Israel, 70% of Omicron, 
70% were among people with boosters. Almost none were in unvaccinated people, and most of the vaccinated already had three. Something is very funny here. If I wouldn't know any better, I'd almost think that this is designed to perpetuate endless bioweapons. See, if it straight up doesn't work, straight up doesn't work. If it works, it works, and the thing's over. But what if you had something that would constantly generate a fear? See, what what they're doing is they were denying, no, it's the vaccinated, it's, it's unvaccinated, unvaccinated. And they, they're still doing that when it helps their cause. But then you have it all in the vaccinated people. So we thought, oh, well, then everyone's going to be on to the scam and they'll be done with it. But no, it's actually worked against us. They're using it against us. So, See, it wore off. It wore off. You're right. It did wear off. That's why you need a booster. And now we have the information. They were planning this from day one. They knew this would happen. So again, I'm not 100% sure what they are and are not doing. I cannot tell. But it does appear that there might be light at the end of the tunnel. But the problem is, my concern is that Republicans will then use that as an opportunity to let up. And it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. I mean, as we're talking, with all the military veterans having their bodies or their careers destroyed, the Senate this week is going to sign off and, and give up, you know, give the cloture votes. They have enough to filibuster it on the, on the defense authorization bill. How do you pass a defense authorization bill that authorizes this? I just don't understand it. See, what the left was smart. They always ask more than what they want. So they stuck even worse provisions in it. They stuck, you know, drafting women in it, which should have never been in there had Republicans fought that in a unifying voice, but they didn't because a lot of them really support it. It's just like a handful of people. Also, the ranking Senate Armed Services Committee chair, um, not chair, but ranking member, uh, James Inhofe, he opposes it. So they took it out. Okay, see, look, here, here's a compromise. That's what they do. See, we need to do the opposite. We need to have like 50 years in prison for anyone who requires a vaccine or a mask in our bills getting rid of all the mandates. And then we'll, you know, we'll negotiate down from there. But anyway, part part of the reason why we have um, fifth columnist Republicans, even in red southern type of states, is because it's a reflection of the church establishment in a lot of these states. Those of you who haven't gotten it yet, you should get... Enemies Within the Church, you go to enemieswithinthechurch.com. There's a new film um, written by Kerry Gordon, directed by Judd Saul, produced by Trevor Loudon. Um, they explain how there has been a hostile postmodern takeover within the conservative Christianity, um, within the evangelical Protestant churches, where they've now embraced social justice, uh, criminal justice deform, refugees, critical race theory, neo-Marxism, Um it really does rock boats, and and for good reason. You need to know how they've moved away from the Word of God and have just embraced the culture, and uh, and they do it under the guise of the Bible, bastardizing the Bible, like we've seen in mainline Protestants, Catholics, Jews, Mormons. I mean, all the major religions have been taken over at an, at an establishment level. But more recently, it's happened even with the evangelical churches, so it is something that you should show to anyone involved in your church, including your pastor. Um, Download the DVD, purchase the PPV streaming at enemieswithinthechurch.com. So we do have a lot more I want to get to. Some of you might have seen the Japanese government now recommends against mandates, and they're, they're requiring informed consent. They're admitting that there's a lot of problems with this. Um, you know, LifeSite did an article that if you look at the Japanese data, it's likely that in kids and in young adults over tw- in their 20s, there's seven times higher death rate from the vax than from COVID. Now, I know COVID wasn't very deadly to Japanese, but still, it, that, that's that's pretty insane. So the Japanese are doing it right. And by the way, the Japanese have embraced ivermectin as well certainly seeing that 
I want you guys to also um, bookmark this link. There's a website. I don't know who runs it. Armstrong Economics. Armstrong Economics. Google it. A list of 300 young athletes who dropped dead this year. It has the exact circumstances. And then there's a whole... Well, there's like 293 of them, and then there's like dozens more that are under investigation. That they absolutely dropped dead. Okay, this is not normal. This is not normal. Don't believe that for a minute. So this is something we should all be all over, and um, it's insane. It's utterly insane. So... The Japanese are now saying you need informed consent. Name me the governor leading on that. Aside from the Florida governor. Where, 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 where is America leading for freedom? But, you know, folks, it's not just the lack of freedom. It really isn't. It's the virus, too. And, and that's why, I mean, I'm praying that, that this milder thing... Uh, you know, really predominates because so many people still are dying. And this thing is very serious. It's very serious because they made it serious. Ivermectin. Okay, a lot of you, you know, we still have available at 7cells.com. Um, you could put in promo code Daniel, get 20% off. Ivermectin, nitazoxanide, or you can get a COVID kit that has those two drugs plus... Um, azithromycin and Medrol, with, which, which is uh, that's the brand name for methylprednisolone. That's a steroid, although you don't want to use that until and unless you have some pulmonary symptoms. And they have the you know the prescription you get from them. We'll put the labels on that. But it is it is truly a genocide what is going on. And now we know. Now we know why. And I want to share with you today two ivermectin stories really three, juxtaposed to each other. And you will understand once and for all why I am using the genocide term. So one of the things that they always say is, oh, well, all these studies we have, they're too low power, not enough sample size. We want double-blinded randomized controlled trials when, mind you, even the vaccine ones that got billions of dollars from the government were not fully randomized and were not double-blinded, it turns out. And actually, their results, when you look at all-cause mortality, they actually don't show any benefit. And in fact, slightly more people in the um, trial group seem to die over six months, but whatevs. Um, but somehow, it's not enough. It's not enough. Well, what if I would tell you I have something better for you than a randomized controlled clinical trial. It's called reality. And the best way to simulate reality is what something that a bunch of Brazilian researchers did, but there was someone from Cambridge and University of Toronto also involved in this study. It is a pre-printed study at this point, um, and I will have a link to it in my column today. I'm going to have my, my, my second column from Monday is on this. Facts are in the war on ivermectin is nothing short of genocide. So there's this town called Itajai in southern Brazil. It's in the state of Santa Catarina. And this was directed and largely by uh, Dr. Flavio Cogiani, the, um, the Brazilian endocrinologist that we had on the show uh, like two months ago. And he's done so much brilliant work on this. And what was amazing about this is that they offered the entire city of Itajai, this is not like a little village, it's a few hundred thousand people, they offer the entire city to partake in a prophylactic study of ivermectin. So they took it prophylactically. Now, what the FLCC recommends if you want to take prophylactically is 0.2 milligrams per kilogram twice a week. Really, like picture every Monday and Thursday. So you're, you're not going more than three days, three, three and a half days, without ivermectin in your body, right? And then if you actually get COVID, then they you know, recommend to ramp up to 0.4 if you're vulnerable, maybe even 0.6, um, migs per keg five days straight, okay? That's not what was done here. This was very low dose. 
it never really says what or if they did, if they ramped it up when the people actually got COVID. But before they got COVID, everyone took 0.2 MIGs for two days, so day one, then the next day, and then 15 days later. So there's a whole 15-day gap where you didn't have any ivermectin in your body. I don't know why it was designed that way, but my point is it's pretty low. That's very low dose, right? Which is why also it didn't seem to protect that much from infection because other um, – it only showed a 7% reduction from actually getting it. Other studies have shown up to an 80% reduction, um, but I think that's why because you know you take it for two days and then you go 15 days without anything. I don't know why you would do that. But here's the point. Here, here's the point. That's very little, right? So it only only 7% reduction on um, you know getting it. And this was last year, by the way. It was before Delta. I'm not sure if any of Gamma was roped in, so I don't want to say. Gamma was very virulent in Brazil, maybe even more so than Delta. And, um, you know, so that would be very telling. But I have to assume it was mainly just the original strain. It was from July through December. 130,000 people took the prophylaxis, okay? 87,000 in the control group. Control group meaning... They went to their clinic. They registered their demographic information to the study, but they declined to take the ivermectin. They're like, you know, we don't want to do it, but we'll offer to have our information. So it was basically they studied an entire city, over 200,000 people involved. Okay, so you can't give me this bull crap with, oh, a small sample size. The results are it, ha- it nearly halved hospitalizations and mortality. Okay, so the I mean, massive. Imagine you know the 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 p value of a study where you have you know one hundred and thirty three thousand in one group, um, eighty seven thousand in another group, and there was literally fifty percent reduction hospitalizations and mortality. Okay, and remember, low dose ivermectin twice every fifteen days. Doesn't say what they did when they got it. Okay? Now, those top line numbers don't really do justice. Because if you peel through the study, it's even more than that. The ivermectin group, uh, so so here's the deal. So they okay, Daniel, well, it's a it's it's a large sample size, you know, but it's not randomized, double blinded, you know. The, the, we know who, you know, they came up and, and signed up. So the reason why you typically want randomized trials, right, is because often in a, in a trial like this, the more health conscious people that are more, you know, worried about preventing COVID might sign up for the, the ivermectin study group, for example, and it will be a confounder to the conclusions because, you know, you could say, well, you know, you had much healthier people maybe sign up. Right? That's why you want it to be randomized. But the beauty of this study is y- you can't like dogmatically obsess about randomization when you have something even better. You studied an entire city's population, and I'm going to tell you in a minute, both the micro and macro outcomes and compared it to the rest of the region. It showed you reality, but also they had a tremendous amount of data of cross tabs that they uh, demographic information, health information. So it turns out the ivermectin study group had nearly twice as many people over 50 enrolled than the placebo group, right? So you can't, well, it's not really placebo because they knew they weren't getting it, but the control group. But so if anything, it's, it's, it's the other way. They also had many, many more people in the group with hypertension, type 2 diabetes, other pulmonary issues. So if you peel into the numbers, the rel- relative risk reduction mortality rate among those high-risk people was actually much higher. I believe it was 71% among those with type 2 diabetes, 67% reduction mortality among those with hypertension. Um, the risk was well over 50% in the elderly people. So there you go. If you want to adjust for that, if anything, it was much, much better But here's the kicker. The overall effect on the city's population was remarkable. Because, you know, a trial is a trial. This group, that group. But what if you study reality? What's the point of a trial? The point of a trial is because we want to study. Maybe we should make reality like this. So let's do a trial. But here they actually simulated an entire reality. But you had, 
you, you know, there's kind of like two control groups. There's a control, you know, there's within Itajai, but then there's Itajai at large versus every other city in Santa Catarina State. And what do they find? That the COVID hospitalization rate decreased from 6.8% before the program to 1.8% after its beginning. So you have to look at, you can't just look at like control groups and say, you have to look at the results, what ultimately happened. Think about that, 68 to 1.8% hospitalization rate per, per case. So in other words, like 6.8% of cases wound up in the hospital before, now it was 1.8. That's a 73% reduction. So again, while it only did 50% better overall, but really much more in the you know severe groups, the comorbidities of the control group, but if you compare it to before they established the program, 73% reduction in hospitalization, 59% reduction in mortality. Here's what they write. When compared to all other major cities in the state of Santa Catarina, where Itajai is located, differences in COVID-19 mortality rate between uh, before July 7th and, be, and uh, 2020 and between um, July 7th and December 21st, 2020, Itajai is ranked number one and far from the second place. That's the big thing. You know, you could do a study, a study here, a study there. This is better than a study. Why are they number one? Well, because they had 60% of their population sign up for ivermectin. These results indicate that medical-based optional prescription citywide covered ivermectin can have a positive impact in the healthcare system. Could you imagine if every place would have done that? And again, again, this is, you know, two days every 15 days of low-dose ivermectin. How about anyone who gets, you know, um, uh, COVID, at first sign, you get five straight days of 0.4 or 0.6, depending on your risk factors. Um, and, you know, you also do the nasal irrigation all the time. And, you know, you take the aspirin and the Pepsid and you use maybe one or two other adjuncts, whether it's Fluvox, whether it's hydroxy, whether it's nitazoxanide. Imagine if you would tether that with, with the monoclonal antibodies for everyone you cannot imagine how few people would die. Because, again, one drug is, is a straw man. Okay, even the best one, viruses tend not to be like, it's not, we, don't, we don't have a penicillin for a virus. I mean, everyone agrees on that. But through multi-drug therapy, multi-strategies, right, because the viruses have a way of getting through. If you close up one door, it will get through another door. You have to have multiple mechanisms of, of action. You'll get pretty close to 100%. Imagine if all the money, marketing, logistical facilitation, obsession in the culture would have been put into this. Monoclonals, ivermectin, and one or two other things. Unbelievable. And yet, the FDA, Aaron Siri, the attorney that's fighting for civil rights, fighting for this, they have, signed, they have uh, letters they wrote to the post office to hold up any ivermectin packages at the airports to make sure they're not distributed. They're going after all the India stuff, which is why if you guys still don't have ivermectin, I wouldn't rely on India um, unless you already have a stash and just want a cheap second stash. A, they might block it. B, it takes a long time. So again, go to seven cells for that. Um, but this is what they're doing. This is what they're doing. And folks, I wanted so that's that's story number one with ivermectin. Number two, on December 9th, the World Tribune published a very important article. Okay, very important article that I think everyone needs to see. And if you want to look it up, it's December 9th. Researcher Andrew Hill's conflict, a 40 million Gates Foundation grant versus a half a million human lives, World Tribune. And they base it off of RF, uh, uh, a story um, 
published in RFK's book, The Real Anthony Fauci. I have the book. And basically, it reveals what we knew all along, that from day one, the WHO knew that ivermectin wasn't even just like maybe something with some promise that it was, you know, as good as close to a cure as you're going to get, at least realistically. And they moved to heaven and earth to block it. So Tesla, Dr. Tess Laurie, she's from England. Um, she's been very involved in, you know, in all, in all the research on ivermectin. And she was working with a guy named Andrew Hill. He's a virologist at, uh, what is it, Liver, in Liverpool. So he's a um, research fellow of pharmacology at Liverpool University. He's an advisor to the Gates Foundation and the Clinton Foundation. And he's a researcher for the WHO. And he was working on um, an ivermectin trial. I think Dr. Tess Laurie was involved in that. They were working together. Um, you know, And that the WHO was going to rely on that. And he was very bullish on ivermectin based on his preliminary results. On January 6th of 2021, so almost a full 12 months ago, he testified before the NIH's COVID-19 Treatment Guidelines Panel in support of ivermectin. Okay? Within a month, Dr. Tesslari gets load of the fact that he's changing his results and he's going to publish something that says, basically, ivermectin doesn't really work. And he said he's in a tricky situation. So this comes from a recorded Zoom call. Dr. Laurie um, recorded a Zoom call she had taking him to task, this guy, um, Andrew Hill, and it's published in RFK's book, and this is at the World Tribune. In a remarkable exchange, Hill admitted his manipulated study would likely delay the uptake of ivermectin in the UK and the US, but said he hoped his doing so would only set the life-saving drug's acceptance back by about six weeks, for which he was willing to give his support for its use. Hill affirmed that the rate of death at the time was 15,000 people per day at the 80% recovery rate using the drug, which Hill and Laurie discussed earlier in the call, that they seemed to agree the number of preventable deaths incurred by such a delay would be a staggering 504,000. Okay? And that was just six weeks. Now it's millions. So basically, he basically what he said was, um, Laurie was unable to persuade Hill instead of joining her team as lead author, went ahead and published his manipulated findings. Four days before publication, Hill sponsor Unitaid, um, which is you know from the basically funded by the WHO, gave the University of Liverpool Hill's employer forty million dollars. Unitate, it turns out, was also an author of the conclusion of Hill's study. In the call, Laurie berated Hill's study as flawed, rushed, not properly put together, bad research. Hill, Hill appears to have denied it. Instead, when pressed, he admitted the sponsor, Unitate, was an acknowledged author. Unitate has a say in the conclusions of the paper. Yes, he told Laurie. Um, Unitate is basically a quasi-government agency funded by the Gates Foundation, several other countries, part of that whole vaccine cabal. And there's a lot more to this story. But basically, the punchline of the exchange was, Laurie said the following, I really, really wish, and and you've explained quite clearly to me in both what you've been saying and in your body language that you're not entirely comfortable with your conclusions and that you're in a tricky position because of whatever influence people are having on you and including the people who have paid you and have basically written that conclusion for you. Hill said, um, you've just got to understand I'm in a difficult position. I'm trying to steer a middle ground, and, ex and it's extremely hard. So blatantly you see a guy who was forced to fabricate a study that he knew ivermectin worked. And you could, I mean, you could so easily, again, studies are garbage. We see the reality of everyone who takes ivermectin. I mean, it, it's certainly not 100% for every last person. Every, you know, not, no one single thing is. But my gosh, it is, you know, when you when you look at what we've been doing and scrambling and authorizing such dangerous things, and that's the thing. Like, there's one thing if this thing, like, was a double-edged sword, it was kind of dangerous, but maybe it added some degree of efficacy. It's a question how much. There's literally, I mean, 
anything you take over the counter will come with more um, risk than this. Um, and, and I'm a proponent of aspirin, but certainly aspirin is more uh, risky than, uh, than ivermectin. It is simply genocide what is going on. F- folks, it's precisely because it works. See, if they if they were like, you know, look, knock yourself out, go try it. We don't think this is going to end the pandemic. Maybe it probably has some degree of efficacy, but maybe not that much. You know, I'd, I'd probably believe it. It's it's not beyond the willing suspension of human disbelief. But when you're going to be like this thing, you you like go to war over it and and, and do stuff like you treat it worse than you do heroin. And you fabricate and lie and, and, and unprecedentedly stop prescriptions and block its use, even someone dying and have no option and you're taking them off life support. Then we're like, you know what? Then now, now I, I think it's really effective. See, if it was only a little effective, they wouldn't do that. It's got to be really effective. And again, folks, I want to make it very clear. It's still very good and certainly with a couple of adjuncts, Pretty, pretty uh, foolproof for almost everyone. But before the Pfizer-enhanced Delta, like at the time we're talking about, at the time that it was known that ivermectin worked, if everyone would have been on it last year, the pandemic would have been over and millions of people would be alive today. And that is a fact. Then it was so easy, even low-dose, even low dose. Because the truth be told, I will, I will, I will be the first to admit that this study of his, of, you know, uh, Flavio's in Brazil was from last year before, before the ADE version of the virus. I don't think that 0.2 migs twice a day prophylactically and then a 15 day break Unless you're really juicing up once you get it. I'm not sure what they did, but if you didn't and you would just go with that, I don't think you would have you know the same results. So this is what we've missed out on. All for a shot that we now know kills so many people. You know, Germany, if you look at excess deaths in Germany, you look at a three-year period, September 2nd to November 25th. And you compare the current September 22nd to uh, November 25th. They're running to, at 249,000 excess deaths. Compared to, la- generally the average has been 226. And even last year was 237. It was only 11,000 elevated. Okay, so this is another extra 12,000 over last year. Now, COVID has been worse, and that in itself is (laughs) proof that the vaccine made the virus worse, but it doesn't account. And and, and this is what we're seeing everywhere. We're seeing so many more excess deaths on the second year. Think of all the modern medicine we have. This is not the, you know, 1917 anymore. And who would have ever thought on the second year we are not having a better hospitalization to mortality ratio? Because even if you're in the hospital, we should be dealing with it better, right? No, we're not. We're killing people. It's pure genocide. And folks, if we would have taken a fraction of the money we spent at an NGO governmental level on garbage and used it to look for cheap repurposed drugs, I bet you we would find protocols that would blow the FLCC out of the water. You know, because all these guys are flying blind. They don't have money. They're just using their best clinical experience, you know, the best data and, and studies of, you know, in vitro, you know, human studies, mechanisms of action, just understanding it. But if you had any money put behind this, I'm sure we, we would have had this down to a science by now. So that's where we are. And of course, we know the lockdowns did nothing. Do you know that As of December, there are now at least 114 countries in the world with higher cumulative excess mortality than Sweden. 114 countries. And that's almost every Western country. You know, except some of the other Scandinavian countries and some of the, you know, obviously Far East countries, but certainly in the West. You know, they're pretty much ahead of everyone. And now Norway is getting a big spread. 
So we'll see what happens there. Now, also, Norway and Finland happen to really fortify a lot of products with vitamin D. It's a whole other story. But I want to read to you a final story that is just utterly heartbreaking and just drives home what a genocide this is. Um, it's, it's, it's truly, truly unbelievable. So this is from the Epoch Times. If you want to pass this around December 11th with ivermectin in hand, wife dies while husband begs hospital to administer. And folks, you read this, it's heartrending because you know this has happened to hundreds of thousands of people and it's still happening and it doesn't need to happen. And it's just a reminder that you know, a lot of people feel guilty. Oh, man, the virus is a big problem. Oh, I should have done something. This is not your fault. You didn't make this. This is not normal. It's not like nature created this and there's a way of dealing with it. No, they created it and they blocked the way of dealing with it. David uh, DeLuca of Sicklerville, New Jersey, will never know if the ivermectin prescribed by an out-of-state doctor for his wife would have saved her life, Colleen. She was 62 years old. She died on October 10th at Jefferson Washington Township Hospital in Sewell, New Jersey, before he could get a court order to administer, administer the drug. Um, and this was another one of Ralph Larigo's cases. We had Ralph on the show, and it was just it was just a you know basically they were high school sweethearts met in 1977. You could read the whole story there. And they had six children together. Just, you know, really sad story. And remember, this is, she's 62 years old. And I want, I want to keep that in mind here. And I've been saying this for a while. You know, at the beginning, it appeared like it was only taking away people who probably would have died soon anyway. But no, I mean, since then, there have been a lot of lives cut short. And none of that had to happen. Devout Catholics, um... They intentionally moved near a church, offering mass in Latin. When COVID appeared, they worried. Colleen beat cancer twice, had asthma and other health concerns. I mean, again, she did have health concerns. David had that, had health issues too. Um, but but remember, for, I'm just cutting in here. It's not from the article. Uh, you know, remember, a lot of people in their 50s and 60s have a lot of health concerns, but they're not like a year or two away from dropping dead. You know, some tragically do, but most you know, at least live, you know, a little while longer. So they, Colleen sewed 500 face masks, gave them all away. They took all the precautions they could. She stayed home most of the time. They wore masks. They disinfected. Now, they didn't get the vaccines because they were concerned about the aborted fetal cell issues. Um, You know, so the jerks reading the story was like, wow, she should have gotten it. But you know what? There is no evidence they would have helped because Ralph has had these cases of people dying, waiting for a court order on ivermectin, who did have the shots. But anyway, um, in mid-September, Colleen started showing asthma symptoms. They called her pulmonologist, and um, we weren't thinking COVID at the time. It wasn't unusual for her to have an attack, but basically she had you know, oxygen issues. She was coughing, and... On September 21st, he hit a brick wall. I went to bed immediately, David said. The next morning, he got tested, learned he had COVID. Um, and the doctor said, so you have to assume Colleen had it too. Um, and on September 23rd, Colleen's oxygen level dropped to 88. I said, I have to take you to the hospital. So she said, if you take me to the hospital, I'm going to die there. I said, if I don't take you there, you're going to die here. She wanted to sleep at home through the night, but he checked her level again. It was at 86 now, and and she was too weak to even be brought to the hospital, so they had to call an ambulance. Um, as the ambulance took her away on a gurney with oxygen on her mouth, um, she couldn't kiss her goodbye. Her eyes looked scared. Tracing the sign of the cross on her forehead with his thumb, David blessed her. They waved goodbye, and it was the last time he saw her awake. And, and again, there, there are so many stories of the. They're really, you know, I don't want, you know, some of my colleagues might express this differently, but I have no problem admitting, and in fact, I embrace this point, this has been a terrible tragedy because this is a bioweapon, and it got a lot worse. To begin with, it was a bioweapon for a lot of people, and now it, 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 
it's rope, it roped in. A lot of people in their 50s and 60s have died exactly like this since the vaccines created ADE. Hospital had her on a CPAP machine on September 28th. I guess that was um, five days later. He got a call. They wanted to put her on a ventilator. She called with her voice um, you know, from the hospital, called her husband. I'm going on a ventilator. Bury me in my ceremonial scapular. I love you and the kids. David started calling friends, asking them to pray, and one friend mentioned ivermectin. He asked the general practitioner for it. Um, and David himself took it and felt much better, and he got better. Remember, David had health concerns too, but David got the ivermectin, um, got a prescription for himself, and he was he, he got better. Um, and But they, they refused to do it in the hospital. It's not part of our protocol. It doesn't work. Um, and they, they refused. So he was trying to find an attorney, um, trying to convince the hospital to use ivermectin he already had from his prescription. He was trying to get permission to go into his wife's room, but of course, like so many cases, they would not let him visit her because she was contagious. But since, since he already had COVID, he felt he should have been able to get in, of course, and eventually he was able to see her through a window, but wanted to hold her hand and let her hear his voice. Jefferson Washington Township Hospital said it does not comment on individual patients, and when asked about its ivermectin policy, had no comment. David went to church early October 10th, so this was about almost two weeks later, and they said Colleen was in renal failure, now, I don't, it does not say in the story whether she was given remdesivir. It is important to remember that COVID could cause renal failure without remdesivir, too. So it's hard to tell, but, you know, who knows? And at first he was like, I got to finish church. They said, You don't understand. Your wife is dying. He went directly to the hospital. I could see she was going to die. I called my kids and grandkids from all over the U.S. It was a video call. They weaned her off sedation. She was awake and she was suffering. Um,. And they removed her from the ventilator. I said, lean, I can't do this to you. And she squeezed my hand. We pulled the vent and she died within 30 seconds. I couldn't hug her because of all the stuff around her. I blessed her. And folks, this story played over hundreds of thousands of times. It never needed to happen. It never needed to happen because this virus didn't need to happen because it didn't happen. God didn't create it. It is a man-made virus by the very bad people that are pushing the clot shots and blocking the treatment for it. Why would they block the treatment? You read a story like this and you're like, why? Well, why would they create the virus? When you get an answer to that, you'll get an answer to why they're blocking it. And then once they started with the shots, we had a whole new basically what the nursing home patients went through last year, then went down to the next cohort and several cohorts of people younger. And, you know, once in a while, even really young and healthy people, but certainly middle-aged people with some degree of, of health issues, so many of them, their lives were cut short. Never had to happen. Never had to happen. We cannot walk away from this year. Even if tomorrow Omicron gives everyone immunity like with nothing more than a cold and this is over with. And, you know, even, even the world and the country, they start letting up on some of the stuff and whatever. They're still going to keep pushing the clot shots, killing people. They have still set into motion this notion that your body belongs to the government. We cannot walk away from this. 2022 has to be the year of the counterattack where we enshrine freedom into law, policy, and culture, where we go after these people. We can never allow them to, to go get away with this. You know, there's still people hunting Nazis in their 90s, Nazi hunters, 70 years later. We cannot allow this to, to, to be forgotten just a few months later. It is our obligation to do everything we can 
to save people from the virus, to save people from the fascism, to promote freedom, to proclaim liberty throughout the land, and to hold the genocidal maniacs who foisted this upon us from day one accountable so that they can never do this again because I will tell you, they are planning many more pandemics. How was this Omicron created? Even if they misfired and maybe it wound up being mild, I'll tell you this much. It's not because that was their intention to do so. So again, take this show to every one of your friends and relatives. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Um, and again, we'll, we'll be here the rest of this week. Uh, we will be off the next, the following two weeks, but I will be posting videos on Rumble, video updates, you know, five, seven-minute updates on issues that matter. I'm going to be writing a lot of columns. You can always find me at The Blaze. And before I get kicked off, for now, I still am on Twitter at Arm Conservative. Until tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.